0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, June 3rd. Graduation day across Grand County schools yesterday. Kindergarten going to the first grade. Sixth graders advancing to middle school. And the big one, the senior class of 2022. This class
1: is a group of students who will keep you on your toes.
2: So I can't wait to see what all my peers do, and I wish them all the best of
0: luck. Speeches from the valedictorian and student body president, a commencement address by their beloved elementary school art teacher, and the presentation of diplomas. Angela Joe (laughs) Merrigan, Jessica Martinez-Erez. It was a traditional ceremony to celebrate the accomplishment of senior graduation. But the class of 2022 held another ceremony last night, one celebrating the memory of their classmate.
2: Thank you all for coming, not only to graduation, but coming to this little tiny balloon release. This is for Lily. We're just doing something to honor her before we go into graduation.
0: Senior Jackson Hobbs stands on a table near the back of the high school, addressing their classmates who are gathered around them in red and white graduation robes. The seniors are passing multicolored biodegradable balloons between each other. They're here before the official ceremony to honor their classmate, Lily McClish, who died by suicide in 2017 when they were in middle school.
2: I'm glad we're here today, but I'm also sad that we don't get to sit here with Lily today. We'll miss her. We'll carry that with us for the rest of our lives that we have walked without one of our classmates with us.
0: Jackson was one of Lily's friends. They used to ride the bus home together.
2: I remember walking up our street. One day she decided to go back down to her house and meet me back at my house with her pet rats. And they scared me so bad. (laughs) And I was so scared of her for so long. And I just remember she was always so unapologetically her. And she was always so unique. And I just grew to love the rats and grew to love her. Miss her so much.
0: Lily is remembered by her friends and family as someone with an absolute passion for animals, as a talented artist and a kind person. Her family says she faced a toxic environment in middle school. She witnessed and experienced bullying related to sexual identity. Since her death, her mother Molly has advocated for positive change to protect students from bullying and discrimination. For Moab, that's meant getting better surveys for more accurate insight into the culture of the schools it's also meant prioritizing mental health. There are now licensed and trained therapists in elementary, middle, and high school. There's also more support for LGBTQ plus visibility through the recognition of Gay Straight Alliance Clubs and the Rainbow Club.
2: As we walk through graduation, as we walk through this different course of our lives, as we go to sit down, as we go to grab our diplomas, as we walk around that stage and become adults in our lives, I want you all to just give her a tiny minute of thought. She'll never get to do it, so let's do it for her. Let's live a little bit for her, because she won't get to do this, but we we can live for her. So with that, let's have a moment of silence to honor Lily McClish.
0: The seniors bow their heads. At Jackson's signal, they release the balloons, sending thoughts about and for their classmate to the skies. One, two, Later in the evening, as the graduating seniors receive their diplomas, they walk through the Big G. Lily's aunt walks for her, receiving her niece's honorary diploma. Lily Clara McClish. (laughs) Lily's mother says there's more to be done to keep kids safe in schools like effective restorative justice programs, as well as school-wide training around the impact of bullying and discrimination of LGBTQ students. For more resources and advocacy, visit lilieshopeforkindness.com. And if you need help, the Crisis Text Line is a texting service for emotional crisis support. You can text HELLO to 741741. It's free, available 24-7, and confidential. Find links to more resources in the show notes of today's news. song by Philip Phillips, performed by seniors at Grand County's Class of 2022 Graduation. Two families are suing the state of Utah over a controversial law that allows schools to exclude transgender students from competing in girls' sports. House Bill 11 was initially vetoed in March by Governor Spencer Cox, then overridden by the Republican majority in the legislature to become state law. Mark Richardson with our partners at the Public News Service reports.
3: The bill is one of dozens either passed or under consideration in mostly red states to limit participation in sports and other activities by transgender children. In Utah, the families say the law violates the state constitution by excluding their children based on their identity. Aaron Welcher with the ACLU of Utah thinks the measure has set a terrible precedent.
2: What well, we're Search for a problem that isn't there, and ultimately, the most harmful part from it, from a legal and policy perspective, is that it bans a whole group of people for their
1: identity.
3: When he vetoed HB 11, the governor called the bill flawed, saying he was concerned how it might affect the mental health of transgender youth. Legislative Republicans say the law is designed to protect girls' sports from unfair competition. The families bringing the lawsuit say they are proceeding anonymously to protect their children. They include a 16-year-old high school junior who wants to play volleyball and a 13-year-old who wants to join a swim team. Welcher worries the measure could open the door for more discrimination toward transgender and other LGBTQ individuals.
2: transgender children as outcasts. and a dangerous message that it's okay to reject, exclude because of who they are. The law was not passed in response to any
3: problem. In his initial veto, the governor noted school officials could find only four instances of openly transgender students participating in Utah sports. The case is supported by ACLU of Utah, Equality Utah, and the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Mark Richardson reporting.
0: The Interior Department announced the distribution of $279 million to outdoor recreation and conservation projects across the U.S. The Mountain West News Bureau's Caleb Radel has more on how much is going to states in our region.
4: The money is coming from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. States will use grants for things like acquiring land for recreation areas, building public parks and trails, and protecting forests and wildlife refuges. In the Mound West, the largest chunk of funds are going to Arizona, which will receive $5.7 million. Colorado is getting $4.9 million, and Nevada and Utah are each getting $3.6 million. Chris Perkins of the Outdoor Recreation Roundtable says expanding outdoor access is more important than ever. When you think about what the pandemic has done to our relationship with the outdoors, all of us have needed outdoor recreation to help us feel healthy, and normal and to decompress and to visit with loved ones safely. Montana gains more from outdoor recreation than any state in the country. In 2020, the industry accounted for more than 4% of the state's gross domestic product and more than 5% of its workforce. I'm Kayla Bradle.
0: Now let's head to the weekly newsreel where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. It appears that spring visitation in Moab may have returned to pre-pandemic levels. Doug McMurdo with the Times Independent has more.
1: April's figures came in, uh, released by National Park Service, and they were down uh, 23% from April of 2021. Now, if we go back to April of 2021, people will recall that that month uh, just shattered the record mm-hmm. for visitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pandemic was on. Mm-hmm. Social distancing was all the rage. Our our officials and uh, our, our, our public officials were urging us to get outside and recreate um, as uh, an alternative to whatever we did before. Of course, that brought a lot of people who had never been to Moab before, and April was a really, really wild, wild month, especially when you compare it to the prior 2020 April mm-hmm. when I could stand um, in the middle of March uh, – April 1st, actually, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. I stood in the middle of main and center, and I counted to 140 <laughs> before I saw a vehicle.
0: Was it and a Mack truck headed your way It was back? a truck.
1: It was a semi-truck, yes. Okay, yeah. um, but I counted uh-huh. to 140. So that's over two minutes. That was quite a, a surreal experience. And then, of course, we were overrun last April. I'm trying to look at, at all of the reasons why. And, and timed entry could have played a role. I'm not right. saying that it didn't, but mm-hmm. gas prices had to have played a role. Sure. Um, the fact that we are so remote, mm-hmm. um, Grand Canyon, Zion, they're close to major metropolitan areas, a couple mm-hmm. of my Major metropolitan areas. So Canyonlands is way down. Hovenweep is way down. Um, A lot of the local here in the southeast Utah uh, are down. And I don't believe that all of it can be attributed to uh, the time to entry, or if any of it can. Room occupancy rates saw a a similar uh, reduction in visitation. Uh, But Sophia spoke to uh, business people park people, uh, government people, and nobody seems to be really worried about it.
0: It it does sound like, you know, April 2022 data is a snapshot in time. Visitation is down. You say it's to pre-pandemic levels, and there could be a number of reasons for that. Gas prices, people having more options um, now that the pandemic, the vaccine is widely available. People might be more comfortable traveling different places. And of course, um, the time to entry system. So lots of stuff going on. What about business owners? You said um, that Sophia talked to a few of them. Any impressions from them?
1: I think what they're seeing is this is, um, if you will, a a market correction. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a stock market correction, but a visitation tourism market correction. Mm -hmm. We're back to where we are. Mm -hmm. I see this, and I think they see this as as a good thing because it's hard to keep up when you're overrun. Mm -hmm. A good, steady, busy rush Especially on the weekends, that's good for business. That's good for customers. Everybody's making tips. Mm-hmm. Nobody's harried. Especially with our our employee shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what has local government officials probably sweating a little bit is what our uh, TRT, what's TRT going to look like. Uh, we'll get those numbers uh, later this month in June. The city and the county will find out you know what they collected in TRT in April because uh, it's there's a two month lag there. Right. Um, so I, I think uh, that's where the rubber will will hit the road for for a lot of folks.
0: Right. There's two main kind of metrics to measure visitation. One is the park data, which um, the Times Independent wrote about um, this week, and then of course the transient room tax revenue, um, which I'm sure you'll follow up on to right. compare. I, I, you know,
1: I'm sure it's going to be less than it was. Uh, it only makes sense that it would that it would be fewer dollars than were collected last mm-hmm. year. Right. But restaurants and hotels and motels, are they're, they're pretty busy
0: i think moab has had um for the past at least decade if not longer ha- has been used to pretty steady growth incrementally right. year after year so this is notable um but like you said you know there was an influx of people during the pandemic for likely pandemic related reasons so Correct you know, maybe we're just back to that, yeah. you know, norm.
1: Yeah, and one way to look at it is maybe we're back at a load that that we can manage mm, or at least yeah. deal with without feeling like we're overwhelmed.
0: Now, um, the Times Independent transitioning now, um, you especially, Doug, have written a lot about um, the Moab City Police Department, given our community, um, a lot of information about the various investigations and personnel issues that have plagued the department over the past year, and there's an update uh, this week in the TI.
1: Yes. The, uh, the sixth and final investigation of Moab police has come to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the prior investigations primarily having to do with the the misuse and abuse of body cameras, turning them off at the most inopportune moments. And there, and there were some other things, uh, perjury, just, just things that, um, that had to be addressed. This, this, recent uh, most recent case involved former office manager of the police department kelly day Mm -hmm. who was also the evidence custodian now the uh we'll get to that second so kelly day back in august she went on leave and she never came back she was under a lot of fire because she was being accused of violating grandma she was under a lot of heat because the Gabby Patino O'Brien laundry thing was going on, and media from all over the world was literally uh, just uh, blowing up police departments' phones, and she was just getting inundated with requests for, for video.
0: Grandma, of course, is Utah's open records law.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, attorney Happy Morgan who has been an attorney in Grand County for, for decades, I believe. She noticed that she had two videos of, of her client's incident with uh, Moab Police in February of 2021. Officers made very disparaging comments about the individual And they were actually upset that uh, they tried and they tried and they tried and they couldn't find a reason to arrest this man who who left his uh, six-year-old in the vehicle on a warm, not hot, not cold day Mm -hmm. uh, for a few minutes while he and the rest of the family went in to do a little bit of shopping. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the boy was crying. A caller called the police. The police showed up. There's a history with this guy, uh, with him and other officers. Uh, Other officers have been in trouble because Mm -hmm. of how they treated this guy during an incident. Right. Kelly Day edited out uh, some of the disparaging comments. I mean, the entire video was pretty horrible to look at in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, competency and professionalism of our officers and what we expect of them. Mm-hmm. They didn't break any laws. They were just rude and kind of jerks about it. So anyway, that that was missing, and Happy filed a complaint with the city, and the city um, already had investigations out and in, for the Weber police, the Price police. Uh, Grand County, uh, so the State Bureau of Investigation was handed this one. And they worked it. Um, They worked it in depth since September. They came to the conclusions that Kelly violated, uh, Kelly Day violated Grandma, and she also seriously violated the uh, evidence protocols. For instance, she used a key instead of the electronic keypad, to enter the evidence room so it couldn't be tracked that she had gone in there. She opened evidence and then sealed it shut and then made other employees contact the attorneys and say, hey, this has been compromised. She was the one who opened it and looked inside.
0: Was this still related to that same case?
1: <clears throat> this is two separate two cases. Separate Good question. Let, yeah. me, let me clarify that. Two separate cases.
0: So this investigation by the State Bureau of Investigation It was two-pronged, right? Yes. It was related to the grandma allegations, the grandma violation allegations, which, you know, redacting unpleasant parts of a video (laughs) from body cam footage. And, of course, that's problematic because that's for a defense attorney (laughs) for their client. Um, And two, allegations that something was not right with the storage of evidence.
1: Right. I think it's really important to point this out. It was Moab police who said... Um, look, we have concerns about this as well. Hmm. Not just the grandma request, but the evidence. Um, it was Moab police employees who raised these concerns to investigators who felt that um, there's enough here to go forward with an investigation on this one
0: now one thing that i do want to bring up because this is separate but related i know moab city had to backtrack with ms day in the gabby petito brand laundry incident because it turned out that some news organizations were getting charged yes do you remember that they were getting charged money for a video which isn't under uh city or grandma policy
1: first of all uh kelly day did not ask the uh the times independent for any uh payment when when we requested it um the media outlets that she did request that hundred dollars from specifically against state law they paid it and then they complained and then uh she went on leave and she never came back
0: after that incident she went on leave and the city of course had to reach out to all these major news organizations saying did you get charged and here's your money back
1: yeah they asked me if if i had been charged and Uh uh She didn't try that with us. And it's no wonder, because I'd only sent 10 grandma requests (laughs) to the police over the previous year and I hadn't been charged for any of them yet. So that would have raised a red flag.
0: So this investigation has concluded. What happens now? You know, um, Ms. Day is not involved in the department anymore.
1: Well, the fact that she's no longer there. She's no longer there to do harm. But she did do harm.
0: The level of scrutiny with our local police department, especially with our local defense attorneys who are in the know and know how things work or should work and shouldn't work. People in these positions have to be scrupulous. They have to be precise if they want to make sure that all these cases are above board um, because... <laughs> Our local defense attorneys will find it if it's not. <laughs> they, they will. We've got a
1: pretty good local defense bar. And I don't have, uh, I don't have too many complaints about the government's uh, attorneys. Mm-hmm. I think they're ethical, uh, upstanding people. The history of the Moab police, and I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not picking on them, and I'm not kicking them when they're down. I have, I have a lot of hope that they're going to uh, find their footing because we need them. You know, I have a lot of respect for people who do that job. But um, the history of the Moab Police Department is... Um, I've never seen anything like it.
0: Doug McMurdo, editor at the Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. A nationwide teacher shortage is evident right here in Grand County. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News highlights their reporting.
5: At a recent um, Grand County school district meeting, a kind of impassioned speech by a former school district teacher caught our attention You know, she talked about really wanting to stay within the school district, but, you know, having to leave and get a different position because of her frustrations with some administrative problems. And like, that's a pretty interesting story and, you know, definitely has like a lot of emotion to it. And Rachel Vixen, um, when she started looking into it, wanted to tell a much larger story about teacher shortages across the entire country and how that is impacting Graham
0: County as well. And how how is it affecting us? Um, what are what are some of the data that she uncovered?
5: Well, I really love the editing process. And one fact that, you know, we talked about that had been kind of in the middle of the article and we bumped it up to the very first paragraph because it's super interesting is that, you know, as of now, the Grand County School District has 30 positions open and 13 of those are for teachers. Um, That's pretty significant. You know, the Grand County Preschool has six positions and four of them are currently vacant. So that's a real staffing issue. Um, And it's really fascinating to to see how people are negotiating that and trying to deal with it and like the complexities that are there. Again, this is a problem across the country. So there's issues of, you know, housing specifically here. There's issues of wages. There's issues of, as I say, sort of like what is the work-life balance or the um, relationship between the administration and teachers. So it's really complex. It's one of those issues that the data, very clear cut, but why something's happening and what to do about it, much less straightforward.
0: It's easy to identify the problem, now what to do. Did Rachel identify any solutions from um, the people that she's talked to in, in this piece?
5: Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives on what should be done, and then there's also different um, levels of capacity and levels of ability to do things to make changes that could change things. Like I say, you know, it's very difficult to you know for perhaps an administrator, you know, to change the housing situation in Moab. That's pretty difficult. It's kind of out of their pay grade. But, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting that in Utah as a whole, you know, a small-ish survey of teachers found that, you know, more than salaries or, you know, sort of these very obvious things that people look for as desirable in a job, that a lot of teachers were more worried about, like, job stress and workload and and admin support. So it was the actual um, stresses of the job itself more than sort of like, well, we just want like more money or, you know, these sort of practical concerns. Oftentimes when you see things like discussed in the news, we're really talking about like things that are data, right. At a a salary bump or something like that, you know, we can quantify that we can look at it. There's, there's numbers. And so it was really interesting to get this perspective that what's actually going on and what people feel is more important. Are these sort of like less quantifiable things, you know, how do you feel when you go to work? And I think that if we think about our own lives, like, yeah,
0: that that oftentimes is more important. This piece, of course, is in this latest edition of the Moab Sun News. Is there anything else that you'd like to highlight from it?
5: You know, as we've often talked about, Molly, you know, something that's really nice about being like a weekly community paper is that we can balance sort of like the the breaking news or um, the local government, sort of these things that happen from week to week that, you know, being a, a good member of the community, you want to know We're sort of telling like these more in depth or interesting stories, I've been really excited lately because I felt like Allison Harford and, and Rachel Fixen, who are our two staff writers, have really gotten into a, this awesome groove of balancing sort of these week-to-week stories, like local government or something that happened this week that you know members of our community should know about, with being able to tell like these more um, unusual or in-depth stories about interesting things happening both within our community and sort of on the edges of it as well. Um, you know. And a good example of that is Allison Hartford on our cover this week. You know, she has a really interesting piece about Graham County EMS and their new building and sort of how the EMS department has evolved over the years. But she also has one that's about a specific breed of cattle and like the, the scientific and practical, like ecological impact of that, that cattle on perhaps like regions in the Southwest, And it's really cool to be able to balance something that's like very immediate with something that you just might not know about even living within this community.
0: Speaking of the cattle story, I'm hoping you can give us a little bit more detail on uh, this piece. It sounds like this is a a research project Mm -hmm. in our area. Can you give us a few highlights from it?
5: Sure. You know, I would say if you live in the Southwest in general, and particularly in Utah, and you don't know a little bit about free range cattle, I'd be surprised. And so this project is really interesting because they're dealing with a really specific kind of breed of cattle. But the hope is, is that this particular cow has less of an impact on sort of the desert landscape. You know, that's one of the the real issues with sort of this um, conflict over free range cattle in the Southwest is that oftentimes cattle can really like, they're hard on native species. They can compact dirt, you know, things like that, um, and have an overall negative impact on, you know, kind of some sensitive areas. There's definitely a movement where, you know, folks are like, well, just get cows off of the range basically. Um, and this project is kind of looking at it a little bit more, in the middle where they're like okay well there is a history of ranching is are there ways that that can you know kind of survive into the future
0: but also address that immediate ecological impact is that sort of leading to that this cattle is more adapted to things like climate change or less impactful somehow on our (laughs) landscape definitely like that's definitely
5: the hope is that they have a lesser impact Um, on desert landscapes. We all talk about polarization on issues these days. And I think that this is like an interesting example, you know, um, is this research project going to convince people who really, really love cattle, uh, just ranching, love it. And, or the people who are on the opposite side who are really like, just get them, get them gone. I don't know, but I do think that it's um, really fascinating to be able to expand that conversation even if you're not convincing, you know, folks on either side.
0: Finally, Maggie, before you go, because you are the editor and the publisher, you can shout out something new that happened at the Mubs and News. You have a new website. We do. I'm really excited about it
5: because our old website didn't really serve our readers as well as I wanted it to. Um, and our new website, you know, we're able to, you know, send a really easy to read weekly newsletter so that you can get the week's top stories really quickly. Um, but also that you can like kind of dive deep because we now have like, you you know, 10 years of, you know, well-researched community stories. Yeah, so we're slowly going through our large archives um, and breaking them up so that, you know, if you want to do a really deep dive into what has happened in the last 10 years, you have access to all of this, um, you know, fascinating writing that, that people have done for us over the last 10 years we just went through our archives and kind of pulled out housing and development articles from the last 10 years. And that's something that as a reader, you can go and kind of like scroll through and kind of get a little snapshot of um, how things have evolved. It's really interesting and sometimes a little, what would you say? Depressing? Uh, You might go back 10 years and find that we were still talking about the same things then that we're talking about now. I'd really encourage folks who Go on the website to, like, let us know if there's something else that you want to see or some way that we can better serve the community with really good information.
0: Maggie McGuire, editor at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. And that's the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest coverage of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.